0: Buildings entirely crushed and
1: crumbled. I'm not sure if it's safe to report from my vantage point. I I really need to leave. So the fences informed me that the surrounding areas are, are in ruin. I I see some people running now. In the opinion of this reporter, if this
0: nation or in fact the world ever needed heroes, that time is now. That time is now. member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm one of your hosts, the Irredeemable Shag. Along with me, as always, is my co-host, the chatty Cathy, Rob Kelly. How you doing, buddy?
1: (laughs) I'm happy to be back uh, podcasting with you, Shag. It's been a while since you and I have recorded together. Uh, It's been even longer since we did a Fire and Water episode proper, and it's been even longer than that since we did a Geek Talk
0: episode. It's been ages. I mean, I I wonder if we've done one since we started the network two years ago. I don't I even know. I don't
1: know. We used to do them all the time, and then we kind of just got off it. But yeah, we're we're back to have just a random conversation as opposed to the other highly focused ones that we do.
0: <laughs> I mean, I guess technically this should probably fall under FW Presents, but you know what? It's just us talking about stuff, and uh, that that that's what this podcast started as. So why not? Let's have I a promise fun. to mention Aquaman. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'll, I'll do my best to mention Firestorm somehow. So before we get too much further, though, we should take a second to thank our sponsors. Folks, this episode of the Firewater Podcast is sponsored in part by InStockTrades.com. InStockTrades is your best online source for trades, hardcovers, and other editions, all for up to 42% off with free shipping for orders of $50 or more. What you got, Rob?
1: Well, uh, sadly, uh, we all heard the news that uh, the legendary Harlan Ellison just passed away. Um, I had dinner with Harlan once where he cast aspersions on how I buttered my roll. Now of course, he was famous for things other than that. and so one of the books that Insuck Trades has is uh, Harlan Ellison 's Seven Against Chaos. And this is the description here. It says, "Harlan Ellison, science fiction's brightest luminary, has joined forces with multi-award-winning artist Paul Chadwick, creator of Concrete, and colorist Ken Stacy to bring you Seven Against Chaos, a graphic novel that is singular, powerful, and unpredictable. This extraordinary odyssey of mystery and adventure will take you in the realm to the rim of reality and beyond. In a distant future, Earth is in grave danger. The fabric of reality itself is unraveling, leading to catastrophic natural disasters. Displaced souls appearing from bygone eras." And sudden, shocking cases of spontaneous combustion. The only hope for its survival is a force of seven warriors, each with his own or his or her special abilities. But can these alien seven samurai learn to get along in time to find the source of the gathering chaos and save all of reality? Now, I have never read this book, uh, but the, li- the I mean, just that lineup: Harlan Ellison writing and illustrated by Paul Chadwick and Ken Stacy. That is right. unbelievable talent. Uh, it's 208 pages. Normal price is $16.99. In stock, trades price is $9.95. That's 42% off. It's published by DC Comics. I didn't know that. Really? Yeah, I did. I, I completely didn't hear of this thing at all. But I mean, I am such a huge fan of Paul Chadwick. I've read every iteration of Concrete there is. And Harlan Ellison was, you know, obviously one of the great science fiction and fantasy writers of all time. He wrote... Arguably the most famous episode of Star Trek, which Cisco uh, would cover on Give Me That Star Trek. He he wrote the, the movie A Boy and His Dog. He's written, he just you know, a legendary career, one of the great figures in, in science fiction and fantasy. And uh, we mourn his passing, and so you can pick up this really interesting-sounding graphic novel, Harlan Ellison's Seven Against Chaos. What's the price? Uh, I said that. $9.85. Thanks for paying attention. Oh, I missed it. Wow.
0: That's really cheap. I was, I was so... I... Paul Chadwick's been running through my head ever since you mentioned his name. Actually, I've been thinking about Concrete. Like, oh wow, I love so, Paul yeah, sounds pretty
1: cool. Yeah, that's a great. I had no idea this existed until I looked it up, and I was like, this is it. This is the pick. This is too good.
0: All right. Well, I brought something. I've, I've recommended it on another show. I don't really know what show, but I'm recommending it again. Kind of tied in with what one of the things I'm going to mention today. Uh, it's a trade paperback from Marvel. It's called It's called Champions, uh, Volume One: Change World. And it's a it's a more recent trade paperback in the last few years. It's the book written by Mark Wade and drawn by Humberto Ramos. And it is about a superhero team of young teenagers. It's got Miss um, Marvel, uh, the new Miss Marvel, Nova, the new Spider-Man, meaning Miles Morales, uh, Viv Vision, which is the daughter of the Vision, the totally awesome Hulk, which is Amadeus Cho, and the Cyclops, the time-display Cyclops, so actually the, the young Cyclops from the original X-Men in this team. And it's a team of teenagers, and let me tell you, I didn't expect much from this book. I, I read it on a whim on Marvel Unlimited. And it blew me away. It is so much fun, and I think it would really appeal to our listener base because, Rob, you'll like this. They're total lefties. I mean, this book gets a lot of criticism actually for being too liberal because it's so socially conscious. Um, it, they deal with social media and how it affects people's perceptions. They get in there and uh, there's there's uh, this, you know human trafficking. There's all kinds of stuff in this book that they face and tackle. And uh, I love it. I love this series. Now, I think Mark Wade's run is is wound down now, but this is the first five issues. Again, Mark Wade, Humberto Ramos, 136 pages, full color, normally retails for $15.99. You can get it 42% off, so it's only $9.27. And I'm telling you, I, I feel like it's, um, do you remember Peter David's Young Justice? I mean, that's the closest thing I can compare to it, which was a fun superhero book. And this one's fun superhero book for teenagers, but also has a social message. So I, I, I would check it out, folks. I enjoyed it. Interesting pick. I've literally never heard of this title. Oh, really? It's just called Champions is the name of the title, is, is the book, yeah. yeah. So um, for these and all your other trade paper needs, please visit InStockTrades.com. So, Geek Talk. So I, I don't know how you have yours laid out, Rob. I wanted to talk about comics first. Do you Are you read any comics nowadays at all? No. <laughs> really? Not even okay. like old comics or anything like well, that? Well, you
1: no, know, I'm always reading older comics. This is my thing with reading new comics. I really do not have a store to go to. They're just There just aren't any around. Um, mm-hmm. and I actually tried to, cause I, I started a new job, uh, in the last couple of months and I'm in a whole different part of, I don't know it's a different part of town cause I'm further away than that. I, I'm like an hour away from my house now. And so I tried to find a comic shop in that neighborhood cause I thought, well, I could on my, you know, in my lunch or run over there. Unfortunately, the nearest comic shop is a half hour away and I mm-hmm. can't, I can't do that on my lunch hour cause I'd have, I'd have no time to actually go in there I'd be able to drive there. And I have to turn right around. So I haven't been able to go to a comic shop lately and sample things. And that's part of the problem is it's like comics are so expensive that I just don't know what to sample without spending like a fortune. But on top of it, I don't even have a store to go to. So I am not reading like virtually anything um, except for you know, the occasional book that crosses my path, and I'll get to that during this episode. But yeah, I mean I would love to go and sample things again cuz there's lots of great stuff out there but I'm just I'm right now I'm just
0: out of the loop. Okay. Well, I'm I'm I do go to the comic shop every so often, but I'm more of a situation where a lot of my passion for new stuff's just gone. So I'm not seeking I'm still reading a ton of comics, I'm going to talk about that. But as far as like what's new, I'm like I actually I was getting 3 mainstream DC books that I just dropped actually and it's not because they're necessarily bad but because they're all going through creative changes right now and they're all great jumping on points which also by the way translate to great jumping off points uh, because I've realized that I've got like six months stacked up I haven't read (laughs) so clearly I don't care that much you know it's like I was reading Super Suns Teen Titans and Titans I've loved all three of those books since Rebirth launched But I realized, again, if I got six months stacked up, I must not care that much. Anyway, with all of them going through a big change right now, I said, you know what? Now I cut the cord there. Uh, the only DC book that I'm buying that's brand new off the shelves is uh, a Future Quest book, so it's called Future Quest Presents, and that's one of the Hanna Barbera books. That's the one where you get like Johnny Quest, you get Birdman, you get you know those kind of characters, and it's written by Jeff Parker, who I have decided ever since we started doing um, the, the the Aquaman books of his, and I've read a whole bunch of other Jeff Parker stuff. Now I'll follow him anywhere. You know, he's an amazing comic book writer. I love his stuff. So, loving Future Quest. Uh, I get Doctor Who trade paperbacks when they come out from uh, Titan. And, like, Back Issue Magazine. But I don't really get any more new comics. I will talk about some new comics when I get to uh, something in a minute. But that's really... All the new comics I'm buying. Now, reading lots and lots of old comics. In fact, I got a great story. Um, or not so much a great story, but a great buy for me. This past weekend, uh, you know I'm buddies with uh, Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist. And he he lives not too far from me. And we decided, let's get together and have lunch. And we decided we meet kind of halfway in a small town called Dothan, Alabama. And in Dothan, Alabama, they have a show called Ollie's. Have you heard of these things, Ollie's? Uh, yes, I have. Usually in the, in the context of a huge sale that Ollie's is having. Yes. Ollie's is sort of like a, like a big lots or something like that. Um, and, and for the last, I don't know, six months, I've been watching all these people post amazing photos on Facebook going, I went to Ollie's and bought all these trade paperbacks for a few dollars a piece. And I'm like, well, I don't have an Ollie's in my town. So it turns out there was one in Dothan. So I went in with Jared. Let's see. I bought, um, you know, what? I'm just going to read them out here. Now I I bought a crap ton of trade paperbacks. Most of these were two to three dollars. I kid you not, okay? I got the Phantom Stranger Showcase Presents. How about that, buddy? I knew you'd be happy. Good book. Good book. Yeah. That one cost me three dollars. Oh god. Oh my God. (laughs) Yep. The Shade trade paperback, which is the James Robinson story. Uh, One of the Brave and the Bold ones by Straczynski. Uh, Team Zero by Chuck Dixon. Uh, Supergirl and the Legion of Superheroes trade. A Superboy trade. Hypernaturals by Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning. I don't know the first thing about it, but uh, Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning. I was like, okay, for $2, sold. I got one of these giant uh, archive hardcovers from DC, The Seven Soldiers of Victory. Oh, nice. That's a good one. Normally $50. Oh no! I'm sorry. Normally sixty. I paid seven bucks. Oh, that's um,
1: fantastic. Oh, that's that's because that's one of those ones that's like you 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 want to get, but you don't want to pull the trigger for that kind of money. Because exactly, you're like, you're like I have no idea if is going to be any good or not. So that's that's a oh man, that's a super
0: deal. The uh, the Vigilante uh, trade paperback written by James Robinson uh, a few years back, uh, which is like the the Cowboy Vigilante. Then I got a ton of JSA trade paperbacks and. I, I could have stopped myself. I could have, but I didn't because I have all of these issues of JSA. But I was like, well, you know, here's a trade for $3. You know, this would be so much easier than pulling out the long boxes. <laughs> so of the original JSA run, I got trades uh, volume 1, volume 5, um, volume 7, volume 11, volume 12. I got a JSA classified. I got another JSA hardcover from the, the second volume. So I was like, wow. I, they're just so good, and then I got a No Man's Land uh, volume that I wasn't—I'd never seen before. So I got uh, Batman No Man's Land. I bought one of those two, and I got some uh, DVDs too for like two or three bucks. I got a Star Trek Next Generation one, or I guess technically it's—it's it's called the Fan Collection for Time Travel. It's got shows from all—it's all about time travel episodes. So it's got like some original series, um, it, uh, the City and Edge of Forever's in here, uh, Next Gen's in here. Uh, gosh, Deep Space Nine, Voyager. So there's like four discs worth of classic episodes all about time travel. Got uh, Goodfellas and Untouchables for like, I don't know, $2 or something like that. And then I got one called The Best of Cheers. Yeah, look at that. Sort of supporting the network. So all of that, (laughs) I walked out of there with all of this for like, I don't know, 60 bucks maybe. Um, It was amazing, unbelievable. So if you have an Ollie's anywhere near you, go trust me not only are all i mean i obviously stacked up on dc there's a ton of marvel as well i didn't really buy the marvel ones because i've got marvel unlimited and i'm like well i i, I have all this already digitally um there's a bunch. if you like uh you know uh, comic porn there's a bunch of xenoscope stuff there too uh, i mean it's just a well sorry that's what it is but uh tons of uh, amazing deals go to ollie's oh my gosh you will not regret it
1: how do they Your make money
0: might. Well, it's got to be remainder sales. You know, like DC or somebody is is cleaning that, clearing this stuff out, and they're turning around selling it for, like I said, anywhere from like two bucks to three bucks to four bucks. So they must be selling them super cheap. And so Ollie's is just cranking and turning it over.
1: Hmm. All right, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, I remember a couple of months ago, Chris and Cindy Franklin. Brought like a forklift
0: full of stuff. Right. Came back. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And and, and this, keep in mind, they unleashed this stuff on these stores a couple months ago or a month or two ago. This, this wave of them, this is the second or third wave of these books they've had. So, I mean, we got there after this stuff was already picked over. You know, Jared bought a bunch of uh, these giant, like, massive omnibuses uh, of Avengers versus X-Men. And he's like... You know, I don't know. He bought it for five bucks or something. I don't know. Was, or Maybe it was a little more than that, probably. But he's like, either way, he's like, I'll just sell them on eBay, you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was awesome. Had a great time. Had a great time. Now, I got more comic book stories to tell. Stuff I'm personally enjoying because, you know, I'm all about the find your joy. And I've been reading lately and getting a tremendous amount of joy. I've been reading some Doctor Who comic books, uh, specifically. Uh, Doctor Who magazine has been this thing that's been around since 1979, and every issue they have a comic strip. Doctor Who magazine has like a eight page strip every issue, uh, and this is a, I've been reading these collected editions. Of the Paul McGann era Which was the 8th Doctor This is like 1996 to 2005 And these four huge uh, collections Of his adventures And they're wonderful, they're glorious They're so much fun And I've been finding so much personal joy in reading these things Uh, Reliving the Paul McGann years in the comics makes me so happy I've also been reading a crap ton of Marvel Unlimited uh, are you a Daredevil guy at all?
1: Um, I wouldn't say anymore. I, I mean, I read the the Frank Miller stuff, and then uh, okay. Born Again. I certainly loved, and I actually kept reading the title a little bit after that. But I don't think I've read an actual Daredevil comic in a long time.
0: Okay, all right. Well, I'm a big Daredevil fan. Pretty like really big. Like I, I, I've read the character almost consistently since 1989. Do you watch the like, show? I, I, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love okay. it. Absolutely love okay. it. Now I'm not I'm not up on all the uh the ancillary ones like I haven't seen Iron Fist I haven't seen Defenders I haven't I need I need to see Defenders that's the only Daredevil one I haven't seen but uh, I haven't watched Iron Fist I haven't watched Luke Cage I haven't watched Defenders or Punisher yet but I'm, I'm I've seen both seasons of Daredevil I've seen season one of Jessica Jones so I, I just haven't put the time to it I should but um cute. yeah I love Daredevil tremendously it, it, it's funny it's one of those books where like I would read it and I didn't. I always enjoyed it, but it didn't stay in my head like, say, Firestorm or Aquaman does. So, like, when I stepped back, and went, wow, I've read Daredevil. At one point, I was just like, I've read Daredevil every single month for 17 years. Huh. That's a long time. That's a lot of Daredevil. Yeah. Yeah. And so now, now, I mean, hundreds and hundreds. Anyway, I've been, I've been catching up. I did fall behind for a little while, but I'm catching up on Marvel Unlimited lately. Reading this run because Mark Wade a few years back had an amazing run on Daredevil. Rob, if, if you get a chance, whether you know at a sale at Ollie's or you know, Marvel Unlimited or whatever, reading Mark Wade's Daredevil run is a pure joy because he basically said, okay, Frank Miller did all these amazing things with the character, and so did uh, Brian McElbendis and took Daredevil to such a dark place. I'm going to bring Daredevil back to being a swashbuckling hero without ignoring what happened. And he found the perfect balance, and it was a joyous, like maybe three or four years of Daredevil. Well, that ends. What do you do next? Well, they went dark. They went dark again. And uh, and Charles Soule, that's the ones I'm reading right now are these ones after that by Charles Soule. And I was like, oh, no, they, they ruined it. But, man, I re- it took me a couple issues to finally kind of click with it. Man, it's great. I mean, it's 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 the dark version of Daredevil again, but it's really really good. It's very compelling. So I'm reading the Charles Soule versions of Daredevil, um, enjoying that quite a bit. Ron Garnier is the artist. I'm also reading two. I guess you call them new comics. Uh, the way Marvel Unlimited works is when they when they release it, uh, a comic on the shelves, it hits Marvel uh, Marvel Unlimited six months later. So wow. that you know, it's still, it still gives you incentive to buy the new stuff. But if you can wait six months, you just wait and it's on Marvel Unlimited, right? So. I'm fine with waiting. So I'm reading two quote-unquote new books six months behind everyone else. Uh, Ben Riley, The Scarlet Spider by Peter David. Really enjoying the hell out of that book. I love The Scarlet Spider. Always have. Uh, It's a bit of a twisted take. They did some crazy stuff with Ben Riley, but uh, I'm happy. I'm enjoying it. And then the Champions book I mentioned to you by Mark White. I'm reading that book as well through Marvel Unlimited. Um, Really enjoying the hell out of that. And then uh, what else? Uh, I am re- Okay, I, I guess I'm reading a lot of comics. Look at this. So, But you notice, not really getting a lot off the shelves right now. So uh, I'm reading the, the Captain Atom series, you know, the Carrie Bates, uh, Pat Broderick series. Of course. I've never read it. I'd, I've dropped in and read various issues over the years. But I'm reading it right now for a JLI project. A secret, shh, don't tell secret JLI project, uh, and um, I'm actually finding a lot of joy in those that I didn't expect to. And then I did try a, a current comic recently. Uh, this is going to make all the DC fans mad. I read Doomsday Clock. Have you heard about this book that's on the yes. shelf? Yes. Okay. Wow, <laughs> listen to your voice. Yes. <laughs> it is Watchmen meets the DC Universe, is what it basically is. You know, it's, They've been building to it since Rebirth. I've read the first four issues, I've got issue five, I haven't read it yet, Firestorm's in issue five, so I should, I should love that, like, I really tried to care, I really, 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 really try to care, guys, but it's just like, okay, you know, the Watchmen characters meeting the, the DC characters, okay, I, I, like, I don't, I, at no point did I read it and feel completely like wowed, I just felt like they're playing in somebody else's sandbox, is really what it felt like, it felt like they were playing in Alan Moore's sandbox, and it just didn't sit Right with me. I don't know why did you sigh when I said it.
1: I just, sound, I'm sorry. I, look, I haven't read it, so that said, I, it just sounds like a stupid idea. <laughs> it just, I'm just like, <laughs> I don't want to see that. I have no interest in that. I'm not, I'm not going to watch the Watchmen TV show if that ever gets off the ground. I, I, to me, it's Alan Moore. Uh, I mean, not that Alan Moore didn't play in other people's sandboxes. He certainly did. And not that you can't play in some of Alan Moore's sandboxes, but to me, Watchmen is a singular work. It exists as those 12 issues that Alan Moore wrote. It's a complete story, and there's nothing else left to be said with the universe. So I just have – I don't even begrudge people who want to read more. I just
0: don't have any interest.
1: And I didn't read the book before yeah, Watchmen, even though it had some amazing talent involved.
0: It really did. Yeah, I didn't read any of it either. But yeah, it's like, you're right. It's like, whoa, wow. You know, if they ever do a DC Unlimited, I would probably would read them just because of the talent that I was involved with. Darwin Cook, them. you know. <laughs> I know. Right? And um, so and then it is – I, I mean, you, you kind of summed it up there. Yeah, it, it just doesn't – it doesn't feel like the story needs to be told. And, you know, another thing too is I'm sitting here going, okay, Watchmen was 12 issues, right? And Doomsday Clock is 12 issues. And by issue four of Doomsday Clock, I finished it. I don't feel like anything's really happened. I mean, there, there's some, there's been some crossover. You know, they've met the new Rorschach, and they've met Batman and stuff like that. But like by issue four of Watchmen, I knew their whole world. You know, there was so much. Now, it sounds like I'm shortchanging Doomsday Clock. Jeff Johns has really done a, has crafted a very impressive story. The characters sound like the characters. Gary Frank's art is amazing. He is kind of a nice follow-up to uh, Alan. Um, Dave Gibbons. Uh, D- Dave Gibbons, uh, but it just it. Just didn't grab me. And again, sorry, you know, Daniel Cynical Adams is probably cursing and spitting right now because he loves the DC output. But uh, it just didn't doesn't grab me that much. I don't know. You know, folks, tell me in the comments. Tell me why I should love it, and I'll listen to you. I, I'm not. I'm not. A, I'm not a get off my lawn on this issue. Uh, I'm just. It just didn't grab me. So, now you you started to say uh, something about books. You've been reading books. Is that what I heard you say?
1: Well, I have gotten uh, a couple of things that I did want to talk about. One was, and they're both Aquaman related. So, you know, this is the Ooh. Fire and Water podcast. Uh, yeah. <laughs> one is that uh, I'm on the comp list from Capstone Books, which puts out all those uh, DC hero related kids novels and like oh, chapter cool. books and stuff like that. And they sent me this. Um, It's not a picture book, but it's like one of those little flip books that you see in like a spinner rack at a bookstore, if those existed anymore. And it's called uh, Aquaman is Fair. And it's by Christopher Harbo and Otis Frampton. And it's part of a whole line of... Books starring DC characters where it talks about like a particular trait, and it's got Batman is trustworthy, Green Lantern is responsible, Flash is caring, stuff like that. And so Aquaman is fair, and it's, it has uh, Mira, and it has the Justice League, and it has Starro, and it just talks about that Aquaman, oh, wow. Aquaman being the king of Atlantis has to be fair to all of his people. And so it's like a great little book for kids. And one of the like. Capstone has been doing these for years now These Aquaman related books And I'm just First of all they do a great job with them But again I'm just so amazed that like this exists That Aquaman headlines his own children's book Now (laughs) You know what I mean We shouldn't be surprised He's a movie star now but it's just what an amazing turn of events in just a couple of years since we've been doing the show that this book exists. And it's really cute. And like I said, if you have a little kid and, and you want to get him introduced to Aquaman, this is like a great introductory step because it's like 20 pages and it's nice, bright – uh, the, the artwork, the artwork is very nice, and it's nice, bright pictures, and it looks very cartoony style. And again, anything to your Starro, I'm always happy about. So it's cool; it's a cool little book. Aquaman is fair; it's very sweet, and I appreciate Capstone sending it to me because I don't think I would have known it existed. Otherwise.
0: Um, the other book, oh, I, I yeah. think, I think uh, all the credit comes to our our podcast for making Aquaman so popular.
1: Uh, absolutely. Um, and speaking <laughs> speaking of that, the other book I got, I got a package in the mail last week from Nuclear Sub Chuck Coletta. Who we all know. He always leaves comments on our various podcasts. And he has appeared on Film and Water a couple of times. Great guy. He sent me a book. The Aquaman. A Celebration of 75 Years hardcover. (gasps) He uh, did not. He did. Absolutely amazing. I was like. "What?" He is so ridiculously generous. Not only that. The book (laughs) is signed by Jason Momoa. What the F? He went to a convention and it comes with a little postcard of the covered Aquaman number one. And on the back, it's like a little certification that this was signed by Jason Momoa at this convention on this date. So I have an Aquaman hardcover book signed by Jason Momoa. It was Unbelievable. How generous Chuck was for him to send that to me. So, and I had not picked up this book yet because I just haven't gotten around to it. It's a hardcover. It's a little on the pricey side. I already have like all the material, so I wanted to Mm. buy it to support it. But it was just one of those things like, I'll get it when I get around to it. Maybe when I get to an Ollie's. But, (laughs) but now I own it, and it's the the cover is that image from Justice League number four by by uh, Jim Lee of Aquaman with the Trident and stuff. So it's a nice image, and it's just a great cross-section of Aquaman stories. Uh, it features some stuff by Paul Norris, some stories by nice. Louis Kazanov. Yeah, I mean, actually reprints material that has never been reprinted. It gets into the Ramona Freighton years from Adventure Comics. It, of course, does stuff from Nick Cardi, Jim Aparo, mm. Ivan Reese and Joe Prado, the, some of the Peter David run. It reprints one of the Craig Hamilton Aquaman miniseries. Is the, that is literally huh? the only time any one of those issues has ever been reprinted. From that Craig wow. Hamilton miniseries, which is one of the best things uh, Aquaman ever appeared in. My one even slight criticism, and this is just, it's not even, I don't know, it's not, I can't even call it a criticism. It's just like something I wish I I, wish I had a chance to see. It jumps from Louis Casanova, who took over on the strip in, a, in a more fun comics from Paul Norris, to Ramona Freighton. And it jumps over another artist named John Daly. And you and oh, I, you've talked about him right. before. Underrated, you, yeah, right? Yeah, you and I did an episode about like our favorite, like underrated artists on Aquaman and Firestorm, and I picked John Daly. John Daly, I think, is a pseudonym because like I can find no information on this guy. But he took over for Lewis Kazanov and then was replaced by Ramona Freiden. So he's that middle step. His stuff is unbelievably beautiful. It's great. It's bold, nice, thick color. You can see that it's you can literally see the development of the styles from Louis Casanova to Ramona Freyden. And the guy's just sort of like been forgotten. And I really wish they had found a way to reprint one John Daly story. In this book, because I think he should have been representing. Louis Kazanov gets actually a couple stories. That's the only minor criticism. Like I wish John Daly got it, but that's a very minor thing. But otherwise, it's a very handsome book. Is Lit.
0: um is isn't John Daly? Isn't he Ryan's like drunk, crazy
1: uncle or something? I, I hope so, because then we I could score an interview <laughs> with him or something. That would be great. But uh, no, it, it's a it's a really great book. And and you know Chuck Coletta, man, thank you, sir. He also sent me uh, uh last year. A signed North by Northwest poster signed by even Marie Saint, you know, you know, sir. So he is just extraordinarily generous, and we should mention this: his college, he works, he he teaches at Bowling Green State University in Ohio. They are doing a conference next year, all about Batman, like the historical right. pop culture. And there's even a Twitter handle, BGSU Batman. Yep.
0: They did a, they did a call for papers. They or did a call like for that papers. Not too long so ago. like yeah. yeah.
1: So so if anybody's interested in this stuff, go check that out because that sounds really interesting. This whole like big symposium on Batman as a pop culture figure. But Chuck is just such a great guy. I love having him on Film of Water, and I owe him mightily because like I have an Aquaman book signed by Jason Momoa. That's crazy. So, thank you so much. Chuck. He uh, extraordinarily generous.
0: Chuck connected me with a JLI listener uh, who is extraordinary. She's really amazing. She's delivered papers like you know, I, like smart stuff, uh, papers <laughs> on Big Barda and Power Girl and stuff like that. And she's going to be an upcoming guest on a future JLI episode. So I mean, oh, cool. Chuck's been wonderful to us. Yeah, so he's a great. Guy. Such such a great guy. Thank you, thank you, Chuck. Wow. Okay. Well, you've been watching. Uh, you watching any TV lately? Or any movies?
1: Uh, I did want to mention a couple things. First of all, and by the nature of Geek Talk, some of the stuff we're here to talk about is going to like uh, play in the backyards of some of our other shows. But that just—it can't be helped. I did want to mention we had another uh, famous passing, Richard Greenberg, the man who designed Superman's titles, those famous Superman titles. Mm-hmm. Uh, he passed away a couple of weeks ago, and he didn't just do Superman. He did the title work on Alien, Die Hard, The Matrix. The Untouchables, I mean, he had an wow. amazing, yeah, an amazing career, Alien is one of the best title sequences ever put to film, but Superman is, that's what put him on the map, because he barely, his stuff got in front of Richard Donner, my good friend, Dick Donner, and, uh, <laughs> and, and, and God. it was, yeah, come on, argue with me, um, <laughs> I'm not. There you
0: go. I'm just realizing I'm going to hear this for the rest of my life. You (laughs) betcha.
1: And um, on like the initial trailer for Superman, the teaser trailer, before they even had one lick of footage, focuses on the Richard Greenberg titles. That's how Hmm. special they were. It was just a camera going through from a plane, going through clouds. And they just had the whoosh of the lettering coming in. And that's all Richard Greenberg. And so his titles are just so famous. They're such a part of that movie. They're, you know, Even though they don't even use the classic Superman logo, they use that, that great blue, open blue font. And it's just you know, one of the great creative geniuses. There aren't a lot of people that are like, famous for title sequences anymore. Saul Bass was one of them. He did all the Hitchcock ones and stuff like that. But Richard Greenberg had an amazing career. So uh, just rest in peace, sir. You did a great job And this game. Superman movie titles, one of the, one of the great things of all time. The other movie-related thing is, and we haven't had a chance to talk about this because Ryan just uh, Ryan, Ryan's still sobbing in a corner somewhere after Last Jedi. Um, I, right. got, I saw Solo.
0: Um,
1: oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I didn't like it.
0: <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, I, didn't, I, didn't, I, I, yeah. I enjoyed
1: it. it. It's my least favorite Star Wars movie other than the prequels. Um, okay. And the funny thing was, the, a lot of the criticisms that seemed to be lobbed at it was that it was um, too inconsequential. And mm-hmm. to me, it wasn't inconsequential enough. Like the, the thing I didn't like about it was that it jammed so much significant stuff into this movie where it's like, oh, here he gets his blaster. Here he gets the Millennium Falcon. Oh, here he does. The, here he meets Lando. Here he meets Chewie. And it's like, oh, so now Han is not going to have anything interesting happen to him for the next 10 years. Everything right, happened right. all within a day. I, and I, I don't want to criticize the movie by saying it's not the thing I wanted. Because then you head mm-hmm. into, like, remaking Last Jedi territory and you're a bunch of knuckleheads. That, <laughs> but, like, one of my favorite moments ever reading comics, ever, was the day my parents bought me Star Wars number 7. The first non-movie adaptation right. issue of the Marvel series. I remember what mall I was at, the gallery in Philadelphia, represent, yo! And I remember being so excited that there was more Star Wars. Because at six years old or seven years old, it didn't occur to me that that could be a thing, and here was more Star Wars, and it was just Roy Thomas who wrote it, of course, very in a giant green rabbit. Yeah, right, right. He does very wisely realize. Well, I can't do anything with Luke and Leia because Lucasfilm won't let me, so I'm going to follow Han and Chewie on an adventure, and it's it's a great adventure. And I wish the movie had been that. I wish they had not tried to tie it into anything. I wish it had just been Han and Chewie. Maybe throw in Lando, because who doesn't love uh, Donald Glover? And just them on an adventure. And I wish it had not tried at all to tie into the greater narrative of Star Wars. I won't say that that's the reason the movie didn't succeed or whatever. There's multiple, multiple reasons for why the movie is a relative flop, compared at least to Star Wars movies. By any other movie standard, it's a hit. But by Star Wars, it's a flop. But I the, I, I, I walked. I was really pretty bored with it. And that's a shame. But it doesn't matter. It's a Star Wars movie. I'm going to go see the next Star Wars movie and the one after that and the one after that. If they put Star Wars in front of it, I'm going to go see it. So it's fine. Yeah. When you crank out this many movies, you're going to have a couple of, I mean, you know, the Marvel movies have, have had a couple of uh, flops and uh, not flops. Uh, I don't mean financially. I mean, creatively. I think there are some Marvel movies that are not very good. But I don't hold that against them. I just go, Okay, well the next one will be better. And that's just the way it works the way it works with these movies. Yeah. So I'm that way with Star Wars now. I'm like, okay, fine, I didn't like this one, but I'll be there for episode nine, sure.
0: But I will point out you said something specific. You said it's my least favorite Star Wars movie, except for the prequels. Yes. It's just funny. It's like you almost discount them not even as Star Wars movies. <laughs>
1: it's just like I, Nothing you know I mean? is gonna make me dislike I can't if they if Disney ever produces a Star Wars movie I like less than the prequels. They really then Something went wrong. Something went really wrong. <laughs> so.
0: For me, I, um, I went and saw it with my daughter, and it, I, I do agree with you. Like, sort of, like they, they put too many of the touch points. Everything we, everything we've ever known about Han Solo happened in this movie. The Kessel uh, Run. other than yeah. oh, other than them running into the bounty hunter and Ord Mentel, and that's only right. because it takes place between the first and second movie. Right. That's it. I mean, everything else happened. Um, so that was a little bit. Eh. For me, I think I, I think I put my finger on it. It's the, it's the actor playing Han Solo. There's nothing wrong with his performance. Uh, he, he does a fine job, but I, just, I, I don't know that he's leading man material. I think it's kind of what it comes down to. Like I was actually more invested in Woody Harrelson's character than the guy playing Han Solo. You know, it's, it, it just didn't – he didn't grab me like, you know, like you should. I laughed at the right points. I went, oh, at the right points. I got excited at the right points, but it just – I walked away kind of like, eh. I mean I probably liked it maybe a little bit less than Rogue One. Um, Rogue One I thought was fun, but I didn't walk out going, this, this is amazing. It was like, okay, that was a that was a fun – Basically, Star Wars role playing game on screen, you know, is basically what both of them were. And that's fine, you know, fine for what it was. So um, I didn't hate it at all, but I'm not going to rush right out and see it. I'll go see Infinity War instead, uh, again, for a second time rather than seeing Solo, but it was fine. So I, I would say it's um, certainly better than the prequels. Yeah, absolutely. Yes.
1: You know, I'm glad you mentioned Marvel uh, again in that context, Infinity War, because that that is something else. I didn't think to, I didn't think I was going to mention, and now that you said it, it it's, it sparked me to to bring it up. Is Avengers: Infinity War? I really like that movie, like way more than I expected it to. And when we did the brackets, like it it was way high to me. It's like the third best Marvel movie they've done, and wow. yeah, I really loved it. And not only that, I can't wait for it to come on uh, home entertainment so I can watch it again. But not only that. Mm-hmm. But it also like sparked in me a desire to go and dig into Marvel history, which mm. I, which is weird. So I have been listening to a bunch more of new Marvel podcasts, and I, there was two I wanted to mention. There's one by um, Grant Richter and Herman, okay. Herman, yeah. Herman Lowe, I think he's pronounced his name. Sorry if I get that wrong. And it's Into the Weird, which is all mm. like the weird – you know, mystical corners of the Marvel Universe, and right now they're concentrating on Doctor Strange, but they're going to move on to something else. I really like that show, and then there's Make Mine Marvel by John Wilson and mm-hmm. Michael Kaiser, and they are basically doing the Marvel Universe comics from the first, from the Fantastic Four, whatever comic came out that month, going forward. And what I like mm-hmm. what I, what I like about their approach is they're kind of living in this bubble where they're not act they're not doing reviews based upon what they know is coming ten years later they're sort of oh, act, okay. they're sort of acting like they're taking the stories as they come as a, you know what I mean which I really that's like cool. I, that's yeah, it's a cool. neat approach as opposed to being like well we all know that this line is going to be significant because in Daredevil number 175 uh, the the egghead shows up you know or whatever they, <laughs> do, they don't do that they're just taking it as it comes and I really like it so that has made me you've asked me of my reading comics i I would love to find a Comic store that has back issues, and just buy a bunch of old '60s and '70s Marvels and read them because, like, I am, I'm like into the Marvel universe again, and it really was sparked by Infinity War. I was just like, I really enjoyed that movie so much more than I expected to, and I'm excited about Ant Man and Wasp now. I'm like, okay, cool, I'm on board for that, and I'm like, now I realize I have to wait like eight months till the next Marvel movie after that. I'm like, oh, like I don't want to wait that long. <laughs> oh. Oh, boo-hoo! Three I know. years for Star Wars when we eight were kids. Months. I know eight months is like a, le- and even then, like the next one is Captain Marvel, which looks fantastic. I love Brie Larson, so I'm like, that's exciting. And then, and then, like two months after that, we're gonna get in Avengers Four. So it's gonna be this plethora of great Marvel stuff. But it's so funny, we're also spoiled. Where I was like, oh man, there's no Christmas Marvel movie that's like, oh my god, what a baby! You know? <laughs>
0: Jeez. All right, so I've been saying this to you. For three years. You're clearly not listening to me, so I'll say no. it one more time. Marvel Unlimited. Seriously, dude. You want to dig into old Marvel? Do it that way. If you, if you get the Marvel Unlimited, I should get sales. I should get a kickback, by the way, from Marvel Unlimited. I don't if, like if, reading
1: comics on computer. I don't like
0: it. I do it for Aquaman. Tablet. Tablet. I don't have a tablet. You, you, had, you, had, you, you had an iPad. What would you do? Drop it in the bathtub? Basically, yes. Dumbass. All right. Well, all right. Get one. Uh, and then get Marvel Unlimited. <laughs> okay. okay, all right. Or just go buy one of the. It's like, I don't have an iPad. I'm not going to pay that kind of money. I have a, a cheap little thirty dollar tablet. I don't, I I don't like
1: reading comics on computer. I just said that. I don't like it. I don't. I don't like the sensation. I'm saying,
0: I'm saying tablet versus. Computer I don't in the like world.
1: Wait, that. Is still a computer shag. Well, yeah,
0: but a hey, it's, tablet it's, is a computer. You not sitting, know what tablets are sitting in? <laughs> sitting in bed with a tablet is a world different than having a giant freaking laptop on. I your don't lap, like you know.
1: reading comics on a tablet. I read them.
0: Okay, well, I read
1: Aquaman on my computer for review purposes and to keep up with the title. But other than that, I still like to have a print book in my lap, like when I go to bed and stuff. That and so okay.
0: you know. That's well, what I'm let, let me let me try this argument because I know you also like money. So I do.
1: I don't Marvel have any Unlimited, of it, but
0: I one day I hope exactly. Well, some. exactly. Marvel Unlimited per month. Is less than two two new comics, which are three ninety nine a piece. You have said they so. Made
1: sound, I'm not arguing; it's not a great deal. I'm just saying, I've read comics that way, and I find it very unsatisfying. I just well, I don't when,
0: know. Once you once you start reading a panel view, and you oh, realize I that panel artist, view. No, oh no, God, you get, I hate you got, panel view. You got to get there though, because <sighs> as an artist, you suddenly pay so much more attention to the art when you're looking at it one panel at a time. I don't really. think i has in my problem. What? I don't think that's been my problem of appreciating the artwork. You've got a lot of other problems, but anyway, so. All right, so if you want to read Old Marvel, that's the way to do it. If you don't, just be a curmudgeon. Whatever. They don't okay. have the ads, so.
1: though, right? They don't have the ads?
0: No, they don't have the ads. Oh, see? Okay, go spend $24 in a trade paperback <laughs> for six comics. That's fine. I'm going <laughs> to spend the same the amount of money either. and read 20,000 comics for six months I on the same to, amount of money.
1: I, I need to take on – you know, okay, you know what my problem is? Well, among other things. Like, um, uh, yeah. I, I would love to be like a Professor Allen who just is like, I'm only buying comics for a quarter piece. that's it. But the problem is, I'm so old now that the comics that I want to read are out of that phase of being quarter bin comics. Yes, they are. When I was a kid, you could get, like, Adventures into the... Not Adventures into the Unknown, that's a, not a Marvel title, you know what I mean. You could get, like, a 70s Marvel yeah. title for a quarter when I was a kid. Well, now... Every 70s Marvel comic is going to be like $4 at a minimum Exactly, it's 50 years old now. So that's the problem. Like Quarterbin exactly. comics are like Sovereign 7.
0: I don't give a shit about that. So that's my problem. I was reading a bunch of classic X-Men, which, you know, like the early days of Wolverine and the team, which are probably $30, $40 books yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Read them on Marvel Unlimited. They cost me you know, a pennies, if you will. So, just saying. All right, I'm done beating your, beating that drum because you're not listening to me. So, nope. you talked about movies. I'll talk a little about TV, <laughs> TV that I'm getting passionate out of lately. Uh, I watched Lost in Space. I don't know if you watched this on Netflix or not. No, uh, I know you've been raving about it. Everybody's been raving about it. Not everyone. I have some friends that are like, raw, 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 raw. no, 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 it sucks because the science is bad and the family are stupid. And I'm like, well, you know what? I just went along for the ride and loved it. The science Super is fun. bad and a show lost in space. What were you? Expecting? It's popcorn science fiction. Really? Get over it. Right. Uh, it's a fun story about a family and I, I enjoyed the hell out of it. I, I actually watched it once through myself and then watched it with my daughter, my, my 12-year-old daughter, and she loved it too. She got really into it too, which was great. It was so much fun. I can't wait for season two. I'm... I I, I don't want to oversell myself and say I'm a huge Lost in Space fan. I like to think I am. I'm probably not really. I mean I grew up watching the show. I have a fondness for it. I love the 1990s movie. I realize it's got a ton of flaws. I do. I don't care. I love it warts and all. I see the flaws and I don't care. I love it unabashedly. And so this this just hit all my warm and fuzzies. It was so much fun. If you have kids – or a family, or you just like watching TV, give it a try. I really, really think it's a lot of fun.
1: You know what the um, little historical blip on the uh, Lost in Space movie is? Like why that movie is notable in the history books?
0: Well, I, I can think of many reasons, because I, I worked for movie theaters at the time. I had to do a giant film promotion. I spent a month of my life promoting that movie, so I, I could probably name several different blips. But go ahead, what's yours? Well, is the,
1: it, in, it's, it's in history because it was the movie that dethroned Titanic at number
0: one in the box office. Oh, that kind of, I see what you're saying Titanic
1: Titanic was number one for like 16 weeks or some absurd number Lost in Space was the movie that dethroned it, finally.
0: Yeah, that makes sense Yeah, Yeah. because Titanic came out the end of 97 and Lost in Space was sometime in 98 So yeah, okay Hmm. We had to do this giant film promotion I mean I, I went around and worked with the businesses I would get up in front of the theater before the show And ask trivia questions about Lost in Space And give away like hats and t-shirts to people Who got it right and people would come up and sing the song You know who did the theme for Lost in Space, right? Uh, n- I, I, I'll know it as soon as you say it Well the original series from the 60s If you read the credits It was a young man by the name of Johnny Williams So.
1: Oh uh, that's right that's right. Yeah. That's right.
0: Early John Williams work. That so guy. now, now it, the new show just is John Williams. He's but everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll stop that. Um, I'm also probably way off key or pitch or whatever the hell the thing's called. So also been watching. Um, do you know what Twitch is? I had no idea. I've heard of it, but I've never like sampled it. Yeah, I didn't know what it was. It's. it's uh, and, and I'm going to describe it wrong. Some nerd at home's like, no, that's not what it. It's an on. on Online platform where you can watch – you can post your own videos, do whatever you want. You can show yourself doing video game walkthroughs. There's a lot of community. I mean thousands and thousands and thousands of people are on this thing all the time. It's huge. It's been around for a while too. I had no idea. But I didn't care until they just recently did something called Twitch Presents where they've been showing Doctor Who. Uh, they showed all the classic Doctor Who episodes that are in existence, they showed a few every weeknight, and it'd be like a fun three-hour block, and then they would just repeat them and repeat them and repeat them, and I'm just like, oh, this, this is amazing. You know, a, a lot of my own already, <laughs> I love your nerd either, voice. You like that? That's actually just my voice, but anyway. Uh, a lot of my own on either, uh, DVD or even VHS, yes, I still have VHS, because uh, I don't want to rebuy those things, but anyway. I've been enjoying the hell out of it to the point where now I have finally decided I am going to pay the seven dollars a month or whatever and get BritBox. Uh, BritBox is another subscription service, sort of like Netflix, has a ton of British shows. My yep. wife watches the hell, hell out of British shows. So yeah, we have her. It. Oh, you do? Okay. Yes. yes. So you you should be watching classic Doctor Who. Uh, I will have access to all classic Doctor Who finally on demand. I can watch it, you know, on my tablet, which is a computer in my lap in my bed, <clears throat> so I can do that. Um, so I'm you know, because I want to watch part four of Dragon Fire, you know, on a Tuesday for some bizarre reason, which is meaningless to you. But Cisco had just laughed. Um, so it's you know, I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait. I'm very excited. It has reignited my passion for classic who. In fact, I've I've, I've been buying more of these DVDs, which I shouldn't, because now I'm getting Brit box. I don't need to buy them. But either way, re- reignited my passion for classic who. Lots of fun.
1: Since this is geek then, to, well, I'm gonna wait. Hold on. I want to ask you something about yeah. that. Because, because this is geek talk, and that's what this is. Yeah, uh, I, I don't have any interest in this, but I am interested in on a sort of archival level. I there are there are huge chunks of Doctor Who that are like gone, right? That's right. There's, yes, there's something like
0: seventy-nine, ninety-nine, seventy-nine or eighty-nine episodes missing. Okay. Yes, right.
1: So, okay. Now, as a as a mega Doctor Who fan, like your mm-hmm. what is your informed opinion? Like, do you think that those could ever be found again,
0: or are they truly? Lost forever. Um, half of one, half of the other. I mean, did, have um, they found
1: it, some that were previously thought lost?
0: Yes. Okay. They just found okay. some a couple of years ago.
1: Okay. Um, right. what, right. what
0: happens is they find them in they find them in the craziest damn places, sure. like Ethiopia. There'll be some station in Ethiopia right. that aired yeah, exactly. it in the '60s, and, and it's somebody just taped on it off
1: the thing and right. Yeah, exactly.
0: Okay. Right. Okay. So they're consistently finding old episodes, not consistently, but they find old episodes. They released a couple on video uh, a couple of years ago. Um, there is a rumor that they found all of them. Ooh. And that there's this guy who has them in his possession, <laughs> and he's negotiating with BBC whether to sell them or not. And then BBC's trying to decide what's the value of them. Is it worth to buy them from this guy, whose name I think is actually Philip Morris, like the cigarette. But anyway. Um, now, does he sound like that guy? Or, does he sound like your nerd guy? Give me the money. I have no I don't even know who this guy is. And this is all just apocryphal crap. There's a bunch of Doctor Who fans probably right now going, no, that's not really true. It's just stupid rumors. You know, whatever. Um, so there's, some people think they actually already have been found. Some people think they haven't. Um, so I, I don't know the answers. Uh, but I think they will continue to find more. Will they find all of them? No, nah, probably not. But they'll, they'll find a bunch of them. They just if it was basically, you know, in the 60s, they had shelves of Doctor Who tapes. They said, okay. Um, we need to make room for new stuff we're recording, and right. we're never going to replay this. No one had heard of a rerun at that point, sure. Right. So they just fucking chunked a bunch of it.
1: Right. That's why. So, all, and that's why all there's like decades. There's not decades, but there's years of Johnny Carson that were erased because they were like, no one ah. cares about this. So. Right. Exactly.
0: Yeah, they, reruns weren't a thing. So yeah.
1: Because right. the reason I'm um, sorry, I know we, I'm. You hold on, guys. I have so many things to talk yeah, about.
0: I'm happy to talk about Doctor
1: Who The reason I'm, I'm curious about it is because I have my own corner of like that kind of thing. Because um, oh. and I don't know how familiar you are with this, but um, the Orson Welles' last film was never finished. Um, right. Well, he did a lot of movies that he never finished, but his last film, The Other Side of the Wind, has never been finished. And it was owned. Uh, he he filmed it in uh, 1970. So his lost film, his last film, is older than I am. And um, okay. but, but Netflix has finished it. Netflix is actually finished. They actually put up the money to finish it, and apparently, like, it's... Wait, what
0: do you mean by finish it? Like the editing or the like, editing? Did the they editing. have the footage?
1: Yeah, they had the footage, oh. but it was never okay. put together. And there I was see. all these rights things, and like at one point, like he got money from the Iranian government, and then then the then they had the revolution where the Shah was overthrown, and all of a sudden they didn't have any. So it's crazy. Just typical of Wells's later projects, where it was like just you know one bad. It was like Terry Gilliam. He was Terry Gilliam before <laughs> Terry Gilliam, We're just like every project was just snake bitten. But anyway, Netflix is finally finishing it. And I even did an cool. episode of Film and Water about
0: – I was going to say, you yeah, got an author on, Yeah, right?
1: Josh Carp, who wrote a book about Orson – called Orson Welles' last movie. And he is one of the guys sort of like spearheading this thing, and he's one of the big cheerleaders for it. So apparently Netflix has finished it and is showing it around. So I will get to see – and they um, – Netflix is apparently going to even do a theatrical release. And so oh, wow. if, if they actually show it anywhere near me, which would be New York uh, or Philadelphia, ideally Philadelphia because I'm closer to there, but New York. But if I have the chance to see Orson well, and or a new, quote-unquote, Orson Welles movie in a theater, will be just amazing. And the reason I asked you about the Doctor Who thing is because there is another Orson Welles film called The Magnificent Ambersons. It's the first film he did after Citizen Kane. He's not in it, but he directs it. And it's It's a masterpiece. The original, hmm. the original ending of that movie was lopped off by the studio when they wanted a happier ending, and a new ending was shot while Wells was out of the country. And most, Ooh. most film historians say that that original ending, the half hour that was lopped out of the movie, is gone forever. That the footage was burned, never to be recovered. Uh. But I keep thinking the way, like they find Doctor Who tapes, where they find this thing or that thing, that somebody has it somewhere, somewhere in this crazy world there's some film cans under somebody's bed that's like oh what's this thing oh what ambersons what's this so i keep ho- so i'm, I'm so a-
0: did the ambersons did did the the version you want to see that got cut did it ever make it to the theater or it got cut on the editing editing room floor
1: apparently it did it apparently was shown for like a test audience
0: and the studio. So there's probably only one or two copies in existence. Probably. Right.
1: Okay. Of so the Doctor
0: lead, Who gets found because it, it made it in stations all over the world. Right. Is, is exactly. the major difference. There. Yeah, that, okay. that is ahead. that
1: is Right. It's unlike. Like, Stanley Kubrick is famous for editing his movies at the last minute, but he apparently literally took the footage and would, like, burn it. Like, literally burn it. So that, mm. that stuff's gone. Like, the, the original ending of The Shining, that's gone forever and stuff like that. But it's. The this fact that Doctor Who apparently surfaces every so often gives me hope. That okay. And the fact that I'm going to get to see Orson Welles' Other Side of the Wind gives me hope that the Magnificent Ambersons is out there somewhere. And the one little other anecdote I will tell about the Magnificent Ambersons, I know nobody cares, is <laughs> there's a, there's a quote-unquote famous story where Siskel and Ebert, the both um, sadly both late Siskel and Ebert, apparently were, seeing, were watching a movie at a screening once, and it was awful. I don't know what movie they were watching, but it was terrible. And halfway through the movie, Siskel leaned over to Ebert and said, the rest of this movie could be the missing footage from the magnificent Ambersons and it would still suck. So like that's how, <laughs> how bad that movie was. So like I said, I'm I'm hoping to have Josh Carp back on the show to talk about it on the side of the wind once it comes out cuz I'm just super jazzed I'm going to get to see it. And related to that cuz we're talking about Netflix, have you been watching The Toys That Made Us TV series? I should. I absolutely, absolutely should. It's right should. in my
0: wheelhouse. I just haven't made the time.
1: I watched The Transformers they did season 2, episode. right? Yes. I watched the Transformers episode. That's how much I like that show. <laughs> it's a
0: Wrapped show. up in Derek Cab's jacket.
1: <laughs> it's a, oh, it would be awesome. It's a great show. It's really fun. I would love it if they did Superpowers. I can't imagine they would because Superpowers is such a brief run. I just don't think there's like a whole half hour in that. But the ones they've done, they did Hello Kitty, Transformers, Star Trek, Star Wars, He-Man, G.I. Joe, Barbie. They're all really fascinating. You would love it, Shag. They're like a half hour. They're like candy.
0: Oh, its I, I haven't been resisting it. I right. just haven't made the time. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's my problem. They're really good. I mean, I know. I, even ones like I never collected Master of the Universe, but I find it fascinating. Yeah. It's and Dr. G. had a great conversation about it recently. They you did. Know, it's, I would love that episode. It would mm-hmm. be fascinating to me.
1: Yeah. Good show. Hmm. So I did want to watch – you would talk about TV. I, I have been watching that. I watched season two of that like the minute it, it came
0: on Netflix. I was like, all right, I'm just going to mm-hmm. watch. And I watched all four right in a row. It was like, boom, done. There you go. Very cool. All right. Um, last thing I had to talk about was some audio I've been listening to because I do uh, – I, I love audio drama and things like that. Uh, of course, a million podcasts that we listen to. But um, I've and been produce. listening to oh. – And produce. <laughs> That's Yeah. Uh, I've been listening to a lot of, of course, Doctor Who, because you know, I'm in that mode. Uh, Big Finish does these amazing audio dramas. They're fantastic. And they keep running sales. So I keep, they keep getting more and more of my money, those bastards. And I've been listening to a lot of Second Doctor and Third Doctor and Eighth Doctor audios. Now, you talk about missing footage. Well, the Second Doctor and the Third Doctor, they both passed away. And so what they have, um, they, they, they initially resisted the idea of... Bringing back the old doctors because, like you know, they, they felt like it would be a little disrespectful to their to the, the memory, and so they would do these stories called companion chronicles, where one of the companions who were still alive would do the story, and they would sort of like a a one person story, like they would tell the story and maybe do some voices. It'd be like you know, like an audiobook, you know, like one person reads an audiobook. It was kind of like that. Well, one guy was so freaking good at doing the second Doctor. Uh, Patrick Troughton, and uh, his name is Fraser Hines, the actor who, uh, who used to be on the show with, with Patrick Troughton. He was so good at mimicking the second Doctor, he now actually – they do new audio dramas where he plays the second Doctor straight up because he sounds that good, and they are some of the best audio dramas. You feel like you're watching a Patrick Troughton episode or listening to one. He's that good. He's got the right annotations. It's, it's wonderful. And now the third Doctor, they, they have found a guy sort of completely by accident who sounds and just like the third doctor and they, they have him paired up with a lot of people that used to produce the, those third doctor episodes. So he's been embraced as like part of the family as a way to bring that doctor back to life with new episodes. And, uh, they're so joyous for me. You know, first I thought it'd be sacrilege to hear new people in these roles, but it's great. And of course the eighth doctor stuff's the Paul McGann. I mentioned him earlier. He does an amazing job. David, David A. Scudier is our equal friend slash frenemy is, uh, He's the worst dealer because he like he texts me all the time like, "Hey, did you see this new one's out." And I'm like, "Oh, I don't want to spend thirty dollars on that, but I'm going to anyway because it's so good." And he uh, he and I are both big Paul McGann fans, so he's kept my uh, tap in the vein there. So that's been a lot of fun. But the thing I really want to talk about: Have you seen? Um, and this, and folks, by the time you listen to this, you've you've only got days to act on this. Have you seen the Humble Bundle that's out there right now? No. For DC Graphic Audio. No. Okay. You you know what DC Graphic Audio is? Yes. Okay, yeah. So they're they're basically radio plays of famous DC stories, uh, books and things like that. You know, they've done. Um, well, I'm just going to tell you here. That you know, remember those novels they published back in the 2000s? They did all those. They've done adaptations, Infinite Crisis and Final Crisis. Um, gosh, uh, the the Batman books that have been published, Superman books that have been published, uh, Fifty Two, all these things, and, and they're amazing audio dramas. They're really, really exceptionally high quality. They're great. Michael Bailey's always going on about them and humble bundle is if you don't know what humble bundle is just wake up and smell the 2010s please anyway um, right now for $1 on humble bundle you can get 5 of these things uh, a green lantern one two green lantern ones a two batman ones countdown you know if you pay instead if you want to pay $8 you unlock a bunch more if you pay up to $15 you unlock all of them and there are tons of these $15 for like i don't know how many hours does it say here uh, it was $440 Worth of uh, digital audiobooks is how much it is, but it's got to be, geez, I don't know, sixty hours worth of audio probably. I'm just making a number here, but I'm so excited about this because hmm. so, uh, I, I love audio dramas and uh, some of the, I've heard I've heard a few of these and they're just exceptional. If you love, this is a great way to celebrate DC Comics because let's say you're just not feeling it with the comics nowadays. You can spend, little, like I said, a dollar and get five of them, or you can go up to $8, or you can go up to $15 and get all of them. It's a humble bundle. You pay as much as you want. You can pay $100 for it if you want. They'll take it, but you can pay as little as 15 and get all of it. And it's a great way to celebrate your love for DC Comics because you listen to these great audio dramas, and it's like you get so jazzed with the music and the sound effects and the act, voice actors and everything and the direction. It's so good, and it makes you remember why you love DC Comics. So, highly recommend it. Humble Bundle. Um, by the time you hear this, folks, again, you've only got days to act. So, definitely uh, check it out. Very cool. That's all I got, buddy. I mean, that's, uh, that's a lot of geek. Uh, I've been very geeky lately. So, <laughs> um, I'm... Just enjoying life. I'm finding stuff that I love and following my joy. Right, cool. I have one last story that I will tell, and it's not geek
1: related, but it's – when else am I going to tell It is uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, there's a woman I follow on, on my multiple Twitter accounts. Um, and, uh, yeah. yeah. Hey, I, key- still making more. As I have explained, Twitter is like 40% Nazi, and so every time I add a Twitter feed, I'm trying to balance out Twitter a little bit better. <laughs> I feel like I'm doing the Lord's yeah. work. Anyway, um, uh, there's a woman I follow named Rachel on my Film & Water account, because she uh, does a lot of stuff about movies. and uh, But then she'll she'll also ask questions. She has like a, a QOTD, question of the day. And sometimes it's not about movies, and she did one about, what was your favorite meal that you ever had? So I, I retweeted, and I wouldn't say this is like my all-time favorite meal, but it was a great memory, of and it was very simple. And it was... Back in 2014, when I went to California on a work trip, and I got to go to a bunch of movie studios. So while I had some downtime, I made plans to have lunch with uh, Aquaman fan uh, and a foam member, James Chatterton. And we were going to meet at this mm-hmm. uh, outside uh, cafe in Santa Monica. And so I had time to kill. And so I stopped at an Auntie Anne's pretzel. Now, I love... soft pretzels like that is like everybody knows how much I run and I try and stay fit. But like soft pretzels are like my kryptonite. Like I just love them. They're terrible for you. They're full of salt. And butter and all these terrible things, but I just, oh my god, I can't resist them. So anyway, I'm killing time, and there's the Auntie Anne's, and like all the doors of these places and the strip mall are open because the weather out there is so friggin' perfect. It's like seventy-eight and sunny. So I wander, mm-hmm. I wander into the Auntie Anne's, and I bought myself a soft pretzel, and I had like, again, I had like a half hour to kill. So I just sat on like this little curb, outside, and it was like it's not it's not a street where cars go by. It's like for people to walk. So I just mm-hmm. sat on this curb. Ate this pretzel, waiting for James, and I just remember like thinking about this is just like the best meal I've ever had because this pretzel is <laughs> this pretzel is so buttery and delightful and tasty. And I'm sitting here in California, and I'm spending my time going to movie studios, and I'm about to meet uh, a, a person I really like who I've never met before. It was just like a perfect moment. It just and I I I had the ability to think about it in the moment of like this is just great. I love this. So, I wrote that as the answer. I was, okay. like, I was like, okay, I was like, having an Auntie Anne's in Santa Monica, California, <laughs> was one of the great moments of my life. So, Auntie Anne's Twitter feed <laughs> likes the post, and they respond to it with a gif of a woman, uh, I think it's Lily James from Downton Abbey and Baby Driver, saying something like, I want to go to there. And I was like, that was so funny that they they, they did that. They responded to my tweet. So then I responded, hey, Auntie Anne's, I love you. So then they (laughs) responded back with another gif of somebody making a heart shape with their fingers. (laughs) And I just enjoyed (laughs) that I had this little back and forth with the Auntie Anne social media people for like an afternoon. That just, just delighted me to know it. I got so excited. I was like, you know, in the last couple of weeks, I've had the good fortune to talk to Richard Donner. And Karen Allen and I got to trade uh, tweets with Matthew Modine about my Full Metal Jacket episode, and yet I was so jazzed about talking to the Anti-Ann's people. That's what really got me excited. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, well, I, I can't think of any better way to end the episode than that. I mean, it's a heartwarming story. It's a it's a heartwarming food. <laughs> <laughs> it sure is. So. That's uh, it's going on your tombstone, you know. He loved pretzels. That's all. it's, well, gonna ironically, say. it's, it's gonna what's going to put that out of context. It's,
1: what, it's what's going to put me in the grave.
0: Is the pretzel? So, <laughs> right. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, I love that. Well, thank you for sharing that, Rob. That was really sweet. <laughs> Thanks, so you're welcome. Well, that, folks, that sums up geek talk in in a nutshell. It really does. It's it's all over the board, but it's about what makes us happy, what brings us joy. So there we go. Well Rob, uh you know again folks, you can find Rob on forty percent of all the Twitter accounts <laughs> out there. Not the Nazi ones, no, not the other not ones. Not the Nazi ones. If You can find me. I'm out there doing something somewhere. Just come, just just shout long and loud enough. Say my name loud enough three times. I appear. So we'll uh, I mean, just say goodbye. So and, until night, and leave comments though. Leave us comments over on the website fireandwaterpodcast.com and uh, tell us you know what, what I don't know whatever you, what you're enjoying right now or anything that we just talked about or your favorite type of pretzel. So <laughs> uh, until next time, folks, fan the flame
1: and ride the wave
0: and eat the pretzel. <laughs> At Ollie's Bargain Outlet, we're loaded with brand-name deals and our trucks just keep rolling in. We've got name-brand toys, Christmas decorations, books, stuff for your home, all at up to 70% off the fancy store prices. Coloring books for grown-ups are the hottest trend in America, and Ollie's has the best quality at the best prices. We have over $4 million at the fancy store prices with over 25 different styles to choose from. Hey, you're going to love the bargains you get. I guarantee it.
1: Ollie's! Good stuff cheap!